Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. If you're new to the show, we're in a season unpacking American education and the current crisis in that realm. Be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the toxic traits of the traditional system. Parents, it is time for us to step up and rescue the next generation. If you haven't heard, my new book, Outsourced, is now available in print and on Kindle. Just go to outsourcethebook.com to order, or you can find all my blogs, books, and podcasts at cvcu.us on the president's page. Pastors. If you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, just go to drlisadunn.com, that's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com, and click the Start an Academy tab. We can have your campus up and running in just four weeks. At CVCU, we have three levels of support for you, church-based support classes, college degree programs, and the Start an Academy program. Just this semester, we launched a very exciting community program at our Chula Vista campus, tuition free homeschool support that's not yoked to a woke government system. Amazing. Check it out at cvcu.us. Well, speaking of CVCU, Chula Vista Christian University, I am very excited today to have on our show one of our mechanical engineering students, Daniel Pinedo. So Daniel, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, Daniel, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your upbringing and your scholastic experience? Maybe what kind of specifically prepared you when you're looking in the rearview mirror of your scholastic experience? What prepared you for the unique environment of CVCU's Socratic model where you are thriving? Hmm. Of course. Um, first thing I would have to say would have been uh, my mom. She's always been one of my primary teachers. Um, I actually started though in, I just guess you'd call it a private like church school. Um, what happened was, uh, my mom was a teacher at this institution and I spent all my preschool time there. And I remember she'll deny it, but I remember there was one day of kindergarten before I got pulled out. And what was happening at the time is my mom was praying and she felt God tell her, Hey, homeschool Daniel. And I hated it because all my friends, you know, were at public school and, you know, I, I was used, I knew the teachers, you know, I, I had everything there and it was like, Oh, I have to stay at home all day. <laughs> Best decision she ever made. <laughs> um, proceeds to homeschool me, puts me into actually co-ops, which was the big thing because um, through this private school, they also had a homeschooling program and we met, uh, this lady uh, whose uh, son and daughter became like some of my best friends uh, that we're still friends to this day. And they put us in a co-op. We would meet once a week. And it was just this thing of the moms would circle and teach. And um, 
very lecture based, but still very conversational to a point. There was lots of arts and crafts and just homeschooling became fun. I, I wanted to learn. Uh, my mom says it's a great thing she homeschooled me because I would have gotten F's in public school. I, <laughs> whenever we were learning reading, I was the kid rolling on the carpet, you know, <laughs> had energy, needed to get it out. That's so, amazing. Uh, fast forward uh, right around middle school, actually. She signs me up for this Shakespeare class. I hated it. <laughs> I did not see the value of Shakespeare at all. They had us, we would have to listen to, to dumb classical, and this is me at the time, I'm thinking dumb classical music, and we have to like pick out all the notes we like, and how did we feel about it? And I'm like, I would write on the paper, I'm like, I'm bored. I, uh, you'll put on some, you know, ACDC, some Bon Jovi. Oh <laughs> um, we'd have to look at art. And I, I was an art kid. I did love art. But, you know, staring at just like the master, I think I wanted to be the one making the art. I didn't want to spend my time looking at it. But the cool thing was is that we would always read a book and we'd read some Shakespeare in the class. And again, usually didn't like it. But what struck me was this teacher, um, her name was Mrs. Runcie. She did something no teacher had ever done to me before. She looked me dead in the eye and asked me, oh, you don't like it? Why don't you like it? And I'm suddenly at a loss for words because I'm like, usually the teachers just tell us to suck it up. Right. She's actually asking me, why don't you like this book? And it actually got me to think. And I was in this class from, if I remember correctly, from... Middle school into high school, um, at least for, yeah, at least for a little while. Uh, I'm not sure how many years of high school, but I, I know at least one, maybe two. What? No, definitely two. Sorry. So what happens is we're in this class and the class is getting bigger and it becomes a, it's a Socratic class. So we're sitting and we're conversing. How do we feel about the art? How do we feel about the, the music? How do we feel about the books, the Shakespeare? Right. And uh, all through this point, some friends of mine joined, uh, including a guy who was like, you know, one of my best friends. Other Zach and, you know, we became good buddies and we were in. But I, I found myself wanting the class times to be there were days when other students wouldn't even show up. And it would be myself, her daughters and the teacher. And I loved those because mm -hmm. I could just talk for however long I wanted. And she always right. wanted to hear my thoughts on stuff. Yeah. And I was the one who more often than not would be honestly like, I did not like this, this chapter. Or I did not like, I did not care for the way the book ended, or I just didn't like the book. I was very blunt. And that's what began to prep me. So when I heard actually at a, uh, I was doing um, speech and debate at the time, uh, same um, organization that uh, Tristan Tang is part of. And, I remember hearing at a tournament, Tristan got up and spoke and he said, we're having a Socratic based uh, college. And as soon as I heard that, <laughs> I looked over, well, not, I, I turned to my mom and like, I leaned in and I'm like, Hey, Socratic, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Ronsi would like this. And that's then how my interest was peaked actually was just because of 
I knew the Socratic method by this point, and I had had good experience with it. Th- those ladies, to this day, some of the sweetest people, and they actually did a great job teaching us. So I, I would like to preface by saying that. Yeah, that's amazing, Daniel. I think, too, you know, it's such a different modality because you being lectured to is th- so the opposite of true education. And what happened was when that teacher started asking you questions and caring about your opinion, it's like it really unlocked you. And I just think of how many students are sitting in classrooms like, you know, you would have been like you were before that moment where they're just they're just spectators. They're not even, they're not even engaged mentally. And that's why we, we talk a lot on the show about how the traditional education system is creating drones. It's creating, you know, mass group thinkers and, you know, people who don't have the ability to think critically or to, or even to know who they are and what God's calling them to. So that's just amazing. And let's go back to that speech and debate tournament, because that's when I first met you. And What's really remarkable, of course, which you know, but our listeners don't know, is that when I first met you at that tournament, you were competing and you were blind. Now, we'll we go back to that, uh, the, the song, you once were blind, the verse, you once were blind, now you see, uh, but you were competing in a homeschool speech and debate tournament and you were blind. <laughs> that, that, that itself, I think, just spoke volumes of your courage, your tenacity. Well, Daniel, you've seen a lot of growth and development. You know, we say that CVCU is a whole student model that we're focused on your spiritual growth, your academic growth, your relational growth. What are some ways that you've seen yourself change and grow in those arenas in the last two years? I'm going to say most definitely I have grown in, I want to say my maturity, and I want to definitely say I have grown in my uh, ability to connect with people or more readily uh, to be able to read emotion. Mm. So since people don't know it, I'm a very logical thinker to mm. the point where it is sometimes a detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, even in like, I will say in my spiritual life, the I'm the guy who's so logical that sometimes, you know, I, I just need to understand it takes faith. Right. Um, that is very much my journey. Um, I compare myself to Spock from Star Trek, very (laughs) logic, very little emotion. Um, I don't understand it. I don't like it. In my opinion, it does not lend itself to good decision making, but I'm human, so I have to deal with it. So coming into CVCU, one of the things that just helped me was over time, I've gotten used to getting corrected by my by my peers which is amazing i am so thankful for that because there were periods where i was doing stuff or saying something and i wasn't making the connection of how will this impact people and how will this impact how their emotional state is or i wasn't able to read if like i was saying something and someone was upset i was not able to recognize that and my friends and my peers there have just been amazing like they're so kind they'll pull me off to the side after the day is done just be like Hey, just wanted to let you know, you know, you said this and I don't know if you noticed, but it it really hurt someone um, or it made them uncomfortable. So just, you know, don't want to send a comment, just want to let you know. And because of that, I've been praying and asking God and with help from, you know, my professors and my mentors and my peers, I'm slowly being able to understand people's emotional states, being able to read them better. Um, which my family has remarked, you know, they've seen that growth in me. Uh, another way I would say is definitely my maturity. Um, 
I was a big joker. I was the <laughs> jokester, the class clown, definitely before I came to CFCU. And in fact, it was, I never had never realized how that negative view could impact me until I remember one day after church, I got invited for an impromptu, how do you call it, uh, like Bible study. And it was at a friend's house. And the friend's dad was someone who has known me like almost my entire life. Um, I was like his daughter and everything. We, we and my other friend, we had been like best friends growing up. We were the three amigos, everything. So he's known me a long time. And I remember saying how I had this, I had this very unique insight. And I know he did not intend it to be insulting, but I remember he said to me, wow, Daniel, you can actually be very intelligent. <laughs> and I said, oh, thank you. Because what do you say to that? But I remember <laughs> coming home to my mom and just being like, do people not know I have a brain? Like, do they not know? And she looked at me, dead center. she's like, they, I know you have a brain, but you're so focused on being the happy guy, the, the jokey guy that people sometimes that's all they see they don't realize what you have behind it and what ended up happening is at cvcu i came in and i was very much in that vein um still the jokester and everything i i know uh you remember and i, I i'm sure any of my professors at that time could remember but over the period i feel like i've matured a, a decent bit i'm still the jokester i love a good joke mm -hmm. i love comedy but I know how to be serious, and I know there are times where now people will take me seriously. And it became very aware to me, or I became very self-aware about it. Once I actually got together with a bunch of my old friends who I had not seen for the better part of, you know, I'd say even like a year, half a year. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was at my friend's birthday, and I fell right back into that old, that old slot, mm -hmm. right? The old me. Right. And I was joking around. No one was taking serious. And as I left his party, I was thinking to myself, what the heck just happened? <laughs> this isn't who I am anymore. Right. Right. And I had asked my father, like, why did I suddenly just revert back? And he told me it happens to me. Uh, you know, growing right. up with my siblings, I was a specific way. And when I get around them, it's like instantly sure. I just want to fill that space. Sure. So I went back to my friend's um they had a like it was in the summer they had another event and everything and I remember going there and I was very aware I'm even talking to God I'm like Lord don't let me revert back I don't like who I was let me show them mm -hmm. I who I am now I go into the space and they remarked to me afterwards even his uh, my friend's mom came over to me and was like wow Daniel like you've really matured since we last saw you it had been about three weeks and I'm like Thank you so much. And it, it, they do not know how much it touched mm. me when they came up and were telling me that. But people were like actually stopping and hearing what I'm, I was saying. And mind you, this guy and his brother, they were like this family. They were really good friends of my family. And they knew I was intelligent. But it was just like kind of like that thing of it's buried, right? But I, mm. I was allowing more of my maturity to come more to the forefront and not just the whoever goes with kind of guy and everything. Daniel, that's amazing. Will you tell our listeners how old you are? 
I am currently 20 years old. It's amazing when when our listeners think about the maturity that you're demonstrating. First of all, in your willingness to be corrected by peers, encouraged, sharpen. We say iron sharpens iron, but honestly, even a lot of adults get ruffled when someone corrects them. And your willingness to accept that and to grow and to demonstrate to those in your peer group that you're a different person, it really, it's such a mark of maturity. I'm so proud of you. You got accepted to a school with a 1.7% acceptance rate. And I remember interviewing you and thinking, this is amazing that you, you know, you've looked at all these other big name schools that you grew up thinking about and dreaming about going to one day, but you kind of had this revelation. What, what tipped you in the direction of CVCU and not just attending, which then was only a one-year-old school, but also Daniel, you drive from LA to San Diego. What, what was it about CVCU that made you think this is the school for me? At the time, what, what it was, and I, I've alluded to this earlier, was I was in a speech and debate competition. And I remember Tristan Tang got up and gave a little speech about the school. I believe you were there as right. well. I believe my father right. may have met you. Right. Um, I don't remember too much at the time, but I, I remember hearing him say, oh, this is a Socratic school. Mm-hmm. This is also a school where, you know, we're trying to help kids not go into debt. Right. We want the... Ivy League level education without the Ivy League price tag, essentially. And for me, I had just taken a a Dave Ramsey course in financial responsibility. And my parents had been working for a while to get out of debt and everything. And they had gone through the Dave Ramsey program. And so for me, the idea of not going into debt is something I, I aspire to. I do not want any debt at all, if ever possible. Like, I remember leaning over to my mom and I was like, I want to go to this school. <laughs> and for reference, growing up, I'm, a, I'm an old soul. I grew up with <laughs> listening to the Temptations and Elvis Presley. I have a record player at my house. I have um, the complete 1966 Batman in the old uh, Lone Ranger series. So growing up, I saw stuff like Leave it to Beaver mm-hmm. and... Um, It's a Wonderful Life, and Hazel, I don't know if anyone knows that show. I Love Lucy, Um, all the Dick Van Dyke, all these shows. And I remember growing up, like you hear about the Ivy League schools. You hear about your Princeton, your Harvard, your Yale. Um, Further on down the road, I heard about MIT once I found out what the heck an engineer was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I remember hearing all about these schools. And you, the, the stigma is out there, right? You always you hear about, oh, if you go to Harvard, you're going to get a big job. You're going to make big money. You'll be somebody in the world. You go to Yale. You go to Princeton, right? Wow, you graduated from MIT. You're smart. All this stuff. And they don't tell you that, oh, it comes with a lot of debt. I hate to say it, sometimes you come out with a a really stuck-up snobby attitude, which is something like they actually perpetuate because these schools have such a low acceptance rate that if you make it in, they kind of like breed you almost into thinking, wow, I must be, you know, better than everyone else. And seeing and hearing all of this, and I I was initially like all in, I'm like, I want to go to one of these schools because – I also had like a little something I had to prove. Uh, my family did not like that my mom had homeschooled me. My mom and dad had homeschooled me and my mom was firm in it. But I knew that there were like remarks sent her way. And so mm-hmm. I had to prove like, mm-hmm. no, I've got to graduate from Harvard or MIT. Mm-hmm. 
somewhere big because I'm going to prove to them she didn't make a mistake by homeschooling me. She didn't screw mm-hmm. me up. If anything, I'm going to be better than, mm-hmm. you know, than anyone could have ever imagined than anyone else in the family. And just realizing my mom had to pull me aside and just like, you don't need to prove anything for me. And so I decided I wanted to go to CVCU. But I essentially at one point, like just like tossed all the other colleges that I had considered aside and like focused solely on CVCU. I was putting like all my eggs now in one basket, like I'm going here or I'm not going to college and I'm going to, you know, join the workforce, join the military, something, but I will not go to college unless I can get into the school. And I, <laughs> I have literally, this is it. This is my one, my one or nothing. I either ace this interview and make it in, or I am not going to college. I am freaking out. This could blow up so bad in my face. I literally did what they say not to do. And I'm like, Oh, Lord, I hope you want me to make it in. <laughs> and you nailed the interview. It was amazing. You did such a great job. You showed up professional. You were ready. For our listeners, students have to have character references, be serving in a local church, and complete an interview, a pretty intense interview with our faculty. So uh, for those for our listeners who don't know what Daniel's talking about there, it's a pretty intense process. And Daniel, you you nailed it. Well, what a tremendous testimony, not only to your work at CBCU and your personal growth, because we really are proud of you, Daniel, but also to your mom and her work as a homeschooler. We talk on the show all the time about the superior method of homeschooling. And as a PhD with five college degrees, I say hands down, homeschooling is the most effective methodology. And that's why we look for homeschoolers. So if you're listening to the show and you're a homeschooler and you don't know where you're going to college, if you're in 10th grade right now, you are eligible as a homeschooler to start college full-time in 11th or 12th grade. So check it out at cbcu.us, our debt-free, mentor-driven, faith-based model, we all know that traditional education is broken beyond repair. And I am calling on churches across the United States to be part of the solution. Go to drlisadunn.com, D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com and click the Start a Homeschool Academy. Listen, if 75% of our churches across California open their doors to just 260 students tomorrow, we could empty out the dysfunctional public school classrooms across our state. Don't forget to check out my latest book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution, and all of our books, blogs, and podcasts at cbcu.us on the President's page. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks again for joining us here on today's show. I'll be back next week with more of our toxic trait analysis and what you can do to break free from the system. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, Send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.